You're listening to the Millennials Choice Show, Canada's most trusted podcast on all things real estate, finance, and entrepreneurship. Here's your host, Matthew Ablican. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millennials Choice Show. I'm your host, Matthew Ablican, and today we got a very special guest in the house. I know I say that almost every single episode, but today, truly, we have a special guest in the house. Before I announce her, Make sure if you guys are listening to this on any one of our podcast outlets, you're sharing it with your family and friends. If you're watching this on YouTube, smash that like button, hit subscribe. It helps with the algorithm. So I want to welcome Melissa Lansman, the Member of Parliament for Thornhill. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm digging the millennial choice. I'm a, I'm a late stage millennial, so I think I still fit the, uh, the bill. That's amazing. I appreciate it. And you know what? You've connected so well with the millennials. I, I had to reach out to you. I think the only other political figure in Vaughn that we've worked with or interviewed is the mayor of Vaughn. But we got your, you got our attention, I should say, on social media during these last two years. You've done a great job advocating for Canadians. So we really want to get to know more about you. So, Melissa, who are you? Where did you, you know, how, how did you get into politics? Where did you come from? Your family background and all of that fun stuff. And then maybe we could touch on some of the issues that Canadians are struggling with today. For sure. I mean, I got a story like uh, like so many others uh, in this community in, in, in Vaughan and, and frankly around the country. Parents came here in the, uh, in the late 70s uh, or sort of mid 70s. Uh, I was born and raised about five minutes from, uh, from where my office is today. So I didn't stray that far from, uh, from home in my, in my later years, although I took a, took a little break, uh, in between, went to school, uh, did all of the, all of the things that my parents moved here to this country for, you know, they expected me to, uh, to do and they allowed me, uh, they allowed me the opportunity to do. And, uh, I, uh, I got the political bug early. I mean, I wasn't, like particularly good at uh, at sports, or uh, or frankly, uh, you know, much else that uh, uh, that uh, you know that w- what you do in uh, high school. And I I walked into a campaign office and I was like totally hooked. Um, I just thought these are the people that make the big decisions that uh, that help us succeed as uh, as Canadians. And I've always wanted to be uh, a part of it. And I always had sort of one foot in it and uh, and did the private sector thing and uh, learned a whole bunch about. How business works, uh, how different sort of stakeholders interact with uh, with government, and then I I tried my hand at uh, at running for office, and here I am, uh, almost a year into it, uh, and glad to be getting your attention. Yeah, congratulations on your election, by the way. I saw that, and um, five minutes away from home. First of all, that must be terrific on gas, boy, based on the way gas prices are now. And we've done the same thing at our office. We were five minutes away from my parents' house. Now we're about 10 minutes away, Sarah and I, from where we live. So um, it's always nice to stay close to home. For sure. Uh, look, I, I think I have a story just uh, just like yours. I, I always grew up sort of close to uh, to to my family. And I again, I, I took a little break. I went to, to university. I moved away to, uh, to another city. But there's something about being able to serve your community, uh, you know, being a part of it, uh, being a part of the familiar place that you grew up in, uh, and knowing what the issues are. So you can uh, you can advocate for better circumstances. Well, that's really it, because when you're in your position, number one, I think, especially what these last couple of years have shown is you need to have really thick skin and you need to remember your reason why. And I think for you, just hearing you and the passion that we see from you, it's it is about serving others. And 
I think that's where we want to kind of focus on. So what are you guys, what are some of the main pressing points, main topics, main areas of concern right now for Canadians that you're finding and you want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're advocating for them. What areas are those? Yeah, look, the, the best way to, to understand that is to have the kind of community office that we have where, you know, you can, you can come in and, and get help on, uh, on at least the federal government uh, uh, side for anything that you need. So it's, this summer has been uh, interesting in, in our office. We've had a bit of a breakdown of, uh, of sort of those basic government services that you come to expect, uh, getting a passport, uh, if you're a new student, getting a SIN number, uh, trying to get, you know, your, your parents or your cousins or, or, or workers here from, uh, from other countries, a huge immigration backlog. But I think the, the one thing that you consistently hear, and it's a refrain uh, from everybody, no matter where you come from, how old you are, uh, you know, what your circumstance is, and it's that, that's that we're in a bit of a cost of living uh, crisis, if I, if I may. And, the, you know, we've got inflationary pressure that's sending the price of everything up, and we've got people that are either used to a, a certain way of life or, or, or trying to get ahead and, and, and working harder that can't seem to get by. And uh, that's a problem in, uh, in this country. And it's, uh, and it's becoming a, a bigger problem, again, that everybody's talking about. So I feel like Canada, we, we've always talked about this great country. It's a melting pot, lots of different people, lots of different cultures and backgrounds, ethnicities. You know, did you see or did you feel that a lot of us were divided these last two years, maybe still are? Um, at least on some of these topics and some of these issues. And, and where, how do you see us now getting back on track together? Because I know a lot of people are calling for unity from all leaders, uh, unity in both parties. And I think that's all that we want. Like we don't want this to be like a drama show in the United States um, where we were, you know, kind of facing this, this giant celebrity person that's coming on now and just, you know, having no kind of um, filter, so to speak. But then you have the other side where maybe they're not so much, you know, focused on taking care of their people. That's what some people feel. I don't know how, you know, how you're seeing it in the political landscape here in Canada, but I feel like a lot of the people I'm speaking to, we, we want to be at peace. We want to be moving forward. We want to be moving ahead. So what, how do you see us coming back together and, and just moving forward? For sure. Look, I've always thought uh, I've always thought I won the birth lottery by my parents choosing Canada as a as a place to come, as a as a place for me to grow up, as a place for 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 me to succeed. And the thing that they left in the Soviet Union was the exact opposite of uh, you know of what I see as as something that uh, that works. We had a we had a tough couple years in uh, in, in this uh, in this country. We had what is supposed to be a, a once in a lifetime event, hopefully with. Uh, uh, with the pandemic that surely divided uh, the the nation and sort of how they see uh, you know government decisions affecting their very lives and and depending on uh, you know what your circumstances that you felt the pandemic in a really really different way so as much as you know as much as everybody wants to see everybody get along uh, uh, and 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 I agree there's a certain level of decorum that we expect as uh, as Canadians we don't think that we can dismiss 
some of the some of the anger, some of the poor decision making, some of the 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 bad policy and how it's affected people. If you're in the well, how I call it the laptop pajama class and you worked from home and everything was amazing and uh, you know you end up better off than than when you started. Things you see you see the world a little bit differently. But if you were in the service industry or if you had sort of a frontline job where you had to take care of people uh, or or you you know you worked construction and everything sort of came to uh, to a halt. Again, like your circumstance is is really different and the challenges that you face two years later are are again different than those. Uh, of people who were, you know, affected less, let's uh, let's say. So there is a there's a conversation to be had in uh, in this country without, you know, without throwing mud or throwing rocks or or accosting uh, 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 politicians. But if this happens again, then we got to be sure that we're going to make the right decisions uh, or at least better decisions for us not to feel. I think some of the the the, the pain that comes after, whether it's you know, mental health, uh, you know, financial pain for uh, for so many and everything that comes along with that. There has been families that are, that are ripped apart. There are people who lost their uh, lost their jobs. We got a lot of healing to do. But at the same time, we've got to have a, a conversation about uh, about what went right, what went wrong and what we're going to do if it happens again. I think in any business, it's so important to have accountability. And that's what I think I'm hearing from you fine, this was something that was unprecedented. We went through it, but we need to just not just say, okay, that's in the past. We need to go and have a system of checks and balances that this country was founded upon and, and hold certain people responsible for certain actions that were taken, um, or at least look into those actions. And what were, what were the purposes and where did that come from? And was it ill-advised? And, and kind of like segueing into something you have on your Instagram bio, shadow minister of transportation what's going on at our airports melissa well look our 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 airports are uh you know our our rail lines our supply chain crunch uh, a lot of this has to do with uh, sort of the way we move goods and people uh are, around the country and i think there's been some monumental failures on uh, on that part and you know part of it is a, a worker shortage part of it was probably being uh, within sort of the restrictive measures of a pandemic too long uh, and, a, and a slow rebound. Whatever that is, uh, I think it's, it's full scale ahead on trying to fix it. That's the, you know, that's the thing that I don't see. Look, I, I you know, when we talk about Canada, we, we, we talk about Canada as the best country in the world. And there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that that's still the case. But when we talk about Canada, we talk about the future and some of the, uh, you know, some of the opportunity that we might be squandering, uh, uh, some of the potential that we might be squandering. Uh, and I, and I, and I think about the future and I think about this country as in how do we do, you know, so little with so much? We've got the smartest people. We've got enough food to feed the world. We've got resources to power us and our allies for, you know, for, for a generation. And it seems like everything is, Sort of at a at a at a standstill, or there's an excuse as to why you know why we're not living up to our potential, and I think that's you know that's the message that resonates with uh, you know with with the crowd that you're talking to in terms of millennials and everybody else who wonders like why can't we just be the best at something that isn't you know number one worst airport in the world? Yeah, and I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said you feel like you got the winning lottery ticket when your parents chose Canada. And I agree with that. My parents left a, communistic, a communist country under a dictatorship of, of Saddam Hussein in Iraq 
to come here to start a better life for us and for themselves. So I, I strongly believe that. And a lot of people I speak to strongly believe that. So when we're talking now about maybe that standstill, when you look at things like oil prices, does it make you mad or upset or frustrated that we have such a rich uh, country in terms of oil and oil reserves that maybe we're not tapping into? For sure. I think it should make anybody upset, particularly people who live in, the, in an area like, like we live in. You've got to drive everywhere you go. Uh, we're paying, we're paying some, some high prices for a commodity that we actually have. Look, I think this is a this is a good indication of the of the next couple of years. They are going to be uh, uh, tough, and and that's not me saying it. That's sort of every banker that's writing every report. We're going, you know, we're going to face high inflation. It's going to drag on uh, on the economy. Uh, we we expect to see slower growth, and uh, you know, some are even saying uh, the R word in terms of uh, of a recession. So. You know, having our house in order, making sure that we are taking advantage of every single, uh, you know, bounty that we have in this country should be a given. It shouldn't be a fight. And we can do, you know, we can do right by the environment uh, and uh, and do right by the economy at the same time. I just feel like we've got a government that's, you know, forgotten people in this whole mix. They forgot that, you know, people don't want to pay two bucks uh, a liter or more, depending on where you live in uh, in the country for for a commodity that's, you know, just stuck in the ground here. Yeah, and, and I, I love what you just said. At the heart of it all is people. And whether you're making policy or you're on the front lines, at the end of the day, there's people and, and you're serving those people in one capacity or another. And I think every Canadian, everyone listening to this, watching this, needs to remember that we're all people. We all bleed the same. We live, we die. We, we have good moments, bad moments. We're all equal. We're all human beings. So we just need to figure out how to move forward. That's in a very progressive way. Segwaying into housing. I know a lot of people, you know, it's a hot topic and, and the market was red hot back in February and March. That's the business we're in. This is the real estate show, entrepreneurship, finance. We love talking with you. We love hearing from you. What are your thoughts on the real estate market? Where do you see this going? Look, I'm 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 not going to forecast on on the market. All I can tell you is sort of what what we're seeing out there. And I also won't be the politician that says that sits here and says that you know that politicians are going to solve the crisis that we have in uh, in housing. This is you know sort of years and years of a of a hotter market, years and years of not building enough uh, to keep up with the the population growth that we've seen, particularly here in the in the GTA. And we got to get smart about it. Uh, you know the the, there are millions of factors why we can't sort of do innovative things in the housing market, why we can't build, uh, you know, enough, enough supply uh, in order to, to, to meet our demand. And that's why we see these skyrocketing houses, uh, housing prices. And that's why we see, uh, you know, an entire generation uh, probably of Canadians who, you know, not only cannot afford to live where they grew up, but can't even afford to get into, uh, into the market. So, at every single level of government has a role to uh, to play in this. Uh, the the private sector has a huge role to play in this, uh, and sort of dropping the 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 act of I have all of the answers and we're going to do this and it's going to solve it overnight uh, needs to stop. I think from uh, from politicians because I'm I'm sure you see this in, in 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 your business. It's hard to get into the market right now. Absolutely, it's a struggle, and and we're seeing more and more people either because of affordability reasons or because of just the way they saw their parents 
uh, you know, manage their home and, and basically put everything into this home and they don't want that and they want to have a different lifestyle. We're seeing more and more people shift to the rental market, which is now starting to catch the attention of a lot of media outlets who are obviously putting those headlines out. Rent is becoming increasingly more and more unaffordable. And we're, we're telling people all the time with rising rates, housing is becoming more and more unaffordable. And I think that a lot of that goes back to that accountability. A lot of that goes back to the onus is not only on the government, but also on the private sector. And there's so many reasons, but I'm sure there is a way we can come together and, and move forward or, or at least table some different ideas and, and, and explore those options. Um, yeah, we, we got to give people the, the, the opportunity to live that Canadian dream, to do the same, same thing that our parents did, to, to, to be homeowners if they wanted to be homeowners, uh, and, to, and to not if they don't want to. It's not the, it's not the dream that fits, uh, fits everybody, but right now it's so out of reach, um, sort of for, for anybody a bit younger than I am, who wants to live you know, near work, near their friends, near where they grew up, uh, near something cool, because uh, you can afford a house, uh, but you gotta go pretty far away uh, from, uh, from life to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Even in, in our decision-making process, Sarah and I, we bought our home, we moved into it this year, but I, I know a lot of people may not be able to you know, jump into that home right away. But for those of you listening and, and know our story, We've been buying real estate for the last 11 years now. And before we moved into the home right now, we were renting. We were renting until the time was right for us to get into the home. So for those of you listening, there is a path. There is different options and opportunities you can follow. Um, but just make sure you're building the right team of people around you and consulting with those professionals. I want to ask you one more thing that I, it's been on my mind. It's more of a personal question. I was hearing from a lot of these uh, conservative leaders when they were talking about um, in, in one of the recent debates how the conservative party didn't do a great job in the recent federal election with just getting their message out to Canadians in terms of what the conservative party stands for. And I'm so happy seeing different kinds of people that are joining the conservative party. It doesn't matter what your race is, what your gender is, but I like to see different people that are forming part of this conservative party. So when I look at you, I, I see someone that may not have fit the typical conservative profile maybe five, 10 years ago. Am I wrong to say that or, or what's changed in the conservative party? Yeah, look, I think, I think you have a party right now, particularly that's speaking to uh, you know, a whole number of people who probably have been left out of the fold in, in, uh, in politics. And uh, to fill that, you know, to fill that void, there is a, you know, there's a caution that you, you take. You don't want to be the, the party of, you know, everything sucks and life is terrible uh, and, and, uh, and a whole bunch of grievances. There's a job to do, I think, in, a, in official opposition to hold those making decisions accountable. But there is a there's sort of this new aura of, uh, of opportunity and, and, and making sure you can be in charge of your your own life, that you're not uh, you're not subject to the decisions of a whole bunch of people who aren't listening to you and who don't have the same experience making, uh, you know, making those calls from from their offices in, in Ottawa. You know, I think the Conservative Party today is speaking to uh, to almost a, a counterculture that uh, that exists. Like the Liberals are the man, uh, and the man holds you down. Uh, and all of a sudden, there is, you know, there is a, a, a resurgence of uh, of a party who's actually listening to you. We've seen that 
in uh, in 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 other countries, and we've seen uh, we've seen people sort of flock to uh, to a movement where maybe they feel like they're being listened to, uh, maybe they feel like the things that they have gone through are understood uh, by people who look like them. And the party's always been, uh, you know, the party's always been a welcoming uh, uh, place to uh, to me. I've been a conservative. Uh, since I got to make that decision as a as a teenager, but I've seen the party uh, grow in in people from different walks of life, different races, different religions. It doesn't matter if you pray on a Friday, on a Saturday, or on a Sunday, not at all. It doesn't matter who you're married to, what color you are. There is a home for you in the Conservative Party, and I'm glad that uh, uh, that you know that that young people are seeing that more so now than uh, than they were, let's say, even five, ten years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love those short videos that I it got my attention right away where you were in the house and you're, you know, talking against your opposition, but because you see the passion and, and if somebody wasn't passionate about it and there was another motive or another agenda, it wouldn't come off as, as the way it's coming off and you wouldn't have garnered all this attention that you have. So kudos to you on that. Um, we know you're making a difference and, and doing your best. So we appreciate that. What do you want to leave our listeners with? What do you want to leave Canadians with before we end the call? What's one final thing that you want to leave us with? Look, the, the reason I'm here is to create, uh, you know, the opportunity that I think every single Canadian uh, deserves. And if you want to get on board, check it out. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, it's, it's Melissa Lansman. I'm probably the easiest person uh, in Canadian politics to find uh, online. Uh, and if that message resonates with you and that's resonating with a, with a ton of people just uh, just like you, uh, come and join us, uh, you know, volunteer in, a, in an office, come say, say hello, uh, support, you know, support a message of taking uh, taking control over your own life. Again, Melissa Lansman on Instagram, on Twitter, on all of the things uh, that you probably interact with. And just for those who are listening or watching this. Melissa was very easy to get a hold of. She was more than willing, her and her team, to do this podcast with us. So, Melissa, we thank you for that. We appreciate you spending the time with us. So, for those of you guys who are listening on our podcast outlets, again, share this episode. It's an awesome episode. If you're watching this on YouTube, smash that like button. Leave us a comment. We need this algorithm to keep working for us. Thank you, guys. Till next time. Thanks very much.